This program is sponsored by Tandem HR. I see my name in shiny lights. Yeah, a different city every night. Oh, I, I swear the world better prepare for when I'm a billionaire. It's time to get down to business on the weekend's number one business program. Known as the king of networking, your host, Shalom Klein, has worked with thousands of entrepreneurs and created countless jobs. So, to success, let's get down to business. We are all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship and business. We talk a lot about business here. You are on with Get Down to Business, and I'm your host, Shalom Klein. Remember, you can always download podcasts from Get Down to Business on my website at shalomkline.com. And while you're there, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Shalom Klein. It's going to be a jam-packed week. Content and information you will not want to miss. I'm going to kick off the program with an amazing, amazing entrepreneur, amazing community contributor, and that is Todd Connor. Uh, Todd is the CEO of Bunker Labs. Bunker Labs is an organization that helps military veterans start and grow businesses. 25% of men and women on active duty express a desire to start a business when they separate from the military. And the Bunker Labs helps make all of that happen. Todd, let's get to know you a little bit. First of all, welcome to the program. Thank you, Shalom. Good to, good to be with you. Absolutely. So you are a uh, retired uh, Navy officer, and uh, you have then taken those experiences and brought it into the world of business and into the world of entrepreneurship. Tell us why uh, you decided to make that transition and what lessons you've learned from the military that helped make that happen. Sure. Um, you know, I was in the Navy for four years and like a, a lot of Americans, um, I wanted to put on the uniform, serve the country, find a way to be a productive citizen, a, a net contributor as it were. Um, but I also had dreams of doing other things when I got out of the military, which I think is true for a lot of folks that joined the military. And one of those things I wanted to do was start a business, you know, and, and, um, I've always, uh, had ideas. I've always sort of been creative. I think I've always had an appetite for, or a tolerance for a little bit of risk. I think some of the same reasons I joined the Navy are uh, some of the same reasons why I like starting businesses. And so when I got out of the military, I, I looked at avenues as to how to do that and kind of stumbled my way into entrepreneurship, figured it out, and uh, along the way learned some things about um, you know what's what's good strategy and, and what's not good strategy and, uh, and and wanted to sort of find a way to pay that forward and 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 teach what I could to the military community. So we started the Bunker Labs back in 2014 to help more folks uh, start and grow businesses. And and I'll tell you, it's it feels personal to me. You mentioned 25% of military veterans want to start businesses. Only about 4% are doing so. And I think um, given the fact that only 1% of young people join the military and that they are increasingly coming from military families, it, it's important to me that we view military service as not something that pigeonholes you for life or that, um, you know, that you have to stay in the military to have opportunity, but rather something that because you did it, because you joined the military, because you wore the uniform, you have opportunities like starting a business on the other side of it. And so historically as a country, we've done this after World War II, about half of that uh, generation's returning veterans started businesses. Um, so we've done it before as a country. We can do it again, but we've got, in my view, some work to do. And uh, Todd, you refer to uh, to the Bunker Labs. You, you talk often um, about the, uh, the sort of that that the next mission, uh, the next mission, and uh, I find that absolutely fascinating. You have we'll talk about the numbers in in a moment, um, 
Tell us a little bit about about the impact of of Bunker Labs, which I believe is a national network of veteran and military spouse entrepreneurs um, connected. Tell us a little bit about the geography uh, of of the organization. Sure. Yeah. So we have scaled um, as a chapter based organization, which if you look at the veteran landscape, historically organizations like the VFW, the American Legion, um, DAV, others, um, Student Veterans of America, they've all scaled as chapter-based organizations. And so that's a good model because you have a lot of veterans in all communities. And so when you're trying to figure out how do you convene them, chapter-based organizations is, is actually um, a good way to go. And so we have chapters today in about 32 cities, um, give or take. Um, and, you know, core to our belief is that we, we have to create a network effect. If you're going to start a business, there's, there's some gaps that are knowledge-based, which is like, hey, I don't know how to make a spreadsheet. Okay, you can take a class, you can learn that. But more important in my view, and actually the research bears this out, you really need networks to draw upon. You, you know, if you're starting a bakery, you got to know people who can help with a commercial lease. You got to know people who can help you finance equipment. You got to know people that can help you like hire and train employees. You need all these resources that are in the form of people and human capital and relationships. And so the structural challenge for the military community is they get out of the military and they know the 1% of people that also serve in the military. The army becomes a very small place, as you know, when, even though it's a very big organization, it becomes a very small place when you've been in it. And, uh, and that's great for staying in the army. But when you get out of the army, you don't know the people who can help you start a business. And so that network effect is, is very important. And it's a structural deficit that the military uh, community has when it comes to starting a business. I'm chatting with Todd Connor, the CEO of Bunker Labs. And uh, Todd, you've had a very impressive uh, background post-military and, and working with a number of interesting companies, uh, some activism in the world of uh, politics, um, but certainly uh, broadly the, the theme is giving back to community and helping others. Uh, so, so Todd, uh, you talked about the 32-plus uh, communities uh, that are impacted by Bunker Labs. Let's talk about the nuts and bolts of of what Bunker Labs uh, provides in terms of resources, and in particular now in this era of COVID-19, um, when all businesses are struggling, what, how is uh, how is Bunker Labs pivoted in providing those resources? Yeah, well, it's a hard time. We had probably 80 events planned for the last three months, all of which we've canceled. Um, we're doing a lot of things in the virtual environment. I would describe it as, as this, um, I'd say we're leapfrogging into uh, a digital strategy that we always hoped we would get to, um, but we were building uh, local chapters with in-person events. Uh, I would say we've almost flipped the sequence and said, let's go straight to the digital strategy. What that looks like for us, we have four programs that we run. We have an online program, which is about how to start a business. We have in-person monthly networking events that we call Bunker Brews, uh, monthly across all cities. Uh, we have a CEO circle, which is like a mastermind program that we run for small business owners that meets monthly and is providing real support right now for uh, small business owners that need sort of support from their peers. And then the fourth program that we run is a partnership with WeWork where we incubate businesses for six months at a clip. Um, so that, that's the portfolio of programs. What we're doing now is unlocking in the digital environment, some very targeted things. So for example, if you want to open up a food truck business in Austin, Texas, you know, our theory is that if you can connect in with eight other food truck owners from around the country, 
that's of huge value to you because they can tell you very specifically the nuts and bolts of how to run that kind of a business, what the pitfalls are, what the opportunities are. Um, and so we can do some of that really targeted cohort building in the national uh, environment um, through digital technology. And so, again, those are things that we've always had aspirations to do. I think we were focused on building local in-person communities, which, by the way, I still think matters. is always going to matter. Harder to do with COVID and social distancing, but networking matters. And we'll get back to that. But we're, in the meantime, sort of jumping into some of these digital, really targeted introductions that we can make for the entrepreneurs in our community. Absolutely. And in a minute, we'll make sure that uh, that those that have served in the military, the veterans that uh, are interested in becoming entrepreneurs, that they know the resources that are available. But importantly, uh, the sort of what is the call to action to those that might be listening this evening um, that either have served, might not have served, but are really inspired, um, as I know so many have been, uh, by the work of Bunker Labs in, in helping um, to empower veterans to become entrepreneurs, what can those listening do to support your work? Well, I would say this. If you've, if you've worn the uniform and you've been in the military and served the country, your work is not done yet. You have a contribution that I would challenge you to make as a civilian. Um, and and I, would, I would also challenge you to dream big. You know, if you look at entrepreneurship as the, the, the return on that investment of time and money as being about the next six months or next year or next three years, it almost never makes sense. But if you look at the return and you take the long view and you say, this is a 15-year investment that I'm making or a 30-year investment, entrepreneurship starts to look like a, a smarter and more attractive option. So, you know, look, if I want to see more veterans start businesses. I want to see more military spouses start businesses. I want to see us buying from those businesses. Um, because if we, don't, um, if we don't ensure that there's participation in the wealthiest uh, uh, segments of society by those that have served, um, that creates new problems for us as a society. So, so, so we have a collective stake in ensuring that the military community has access to all the opportunities uh, on the other side of their service. So Todd, that's the perfect segue. Can you share uh, the website and uh, make sure everybody knows whether they have worn the uniform or not, uh, how they can uh, get in touch with Bunker Labs and learn more? Yeah. So you can find us at bunkerlabs.org. Go online, sign up, and, uh, and join your local chapter, and, and we'll send you information from there about how to get involved. BunkerLabs.org. Uh, Todd Connor, really an inspirational uh, message. And uh, come back soon to share uh, some of the success stories, bring back some vets, uh, entrepreneurial success stories. That's what the show is all about. Todd, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Sean. Absolutely. We'll be back on the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. Chicago, don't touch that dial. You're listening to Get Down to Business. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Get Down to Business, the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. My next guest, Lori Alpern from Open Door Advisors, believes that great great work transforms people and organizations. Lori, uh, welcome to the program. Thanks, Shalom. It's wonderful being here. Appreciate it. Long overdue. I've wanted to have you on for quite a while. And um, Lori, you do some just incredible work because you work with clients that are high impact companies and organizations across many different uh, private and nonprofit industry sectors, healthcare, manufacturing, food, higher education, social impact, social justice, uh, environmental sustainability, research, government associations across the United States. Lori, it's such a pleasure to have you. Tell us a little bit about Open Door Advisors and your background. Um, great to be here again with you, Shalom, and on the show 
Open Door Advisors is a social impact consulting firm, and we work with organizations, associations, and businesses that have a vision for impact and are working to make that vision a reality. And we provide support beginning with strategy and planning to look at how to get that impeccable execution that is aligned with mission. We also look at how you secure your future as an organization or a company. What is a model for financial sustainability, especially in these times where our future is not what we expected it to be at this moment. And finally, we put people, we center all of our work around talent and people because we know that everyone in a workplace has to have a sense of how they can do the best work in alignment with corporate strategy. So we are all about working with companies, meeting them where they're at to work on a strategy to realize impact in a way that secures the company's future and the impact that they're trying to realize. And as a side note, um, Lori, you are perhaps the only person that I know that uses the word impact as much as I do. And people make fun of me all the time, but ultimately it's impact that drives I know everything that you do and your work with your clients, but also who you are as a person, because you don't just preach this, you practice it as well. Based on a premise that no organization is quite like another, and we've talked about some of the industries of what you've been involved in, but importantly, it's not just about social impact. It is also about organizational uh, sustainability. So, Laura, I'd love to talk about some of the examples um, of, of organizations that you've worked with, and of course, Many of those stories are on your website, um, which we'll share in a couple of minutes. But let's talk about some of those examples and and where your work has really developed an organization into financial sustainability and uh, market awareness um, through uh, social impact. Sure, sure. Well, there is a, a, a construct known as social enterprise. Some people call it social purpose business. But bottom line is that organizations, whether they're for-profit or non-profit, are looking to better understand how their efforts contribute to improving the quality of life in our world and in our cities. And we have developed a special focus on working with companies that are manufacturing products or delivering service all in, in, uh, with a higher purpose to help people develop themselves and support themselves and their families. And so for this group of social enterprises, we've worked with a, a wide range of companies and many here in the Chicago area that your listeners may be surprised to learn about. I'd be happy to, to share some examples with would love to hear some of those stories because it ultimately is all about impact and uh, and those stories, um, you know, I, I love to drive people to amazing organizations doing amazing, amazing things. So let's talk about some of those examples and specifically the role that um, you and your colleagues at Open Door Advisors have uh, have have uh, have played in getting them to that place. 
Sure. So um, I'm going to name one organization right now, HHP Lift, and you can look them up, uh, Google them and find them online. They are a company that manufactures soaps and spa products, including candles, and sources artisan gifts and goods from around the world as a strategy to provide employment for people who need it the most. So they're located in Chicago and you can visit them. I would suggest making an appointment right now, um, but they have a specific niche in the gift and then retail market. So by manufacturing and sourcing these products, they provide employment to people here in Chicago that are looking for a job, that are looking to gain some work and life skills, that may have you know, had some stumbles or obstacles to getting employment, securing employment to support themselves and their families. So HHP Lift operates this business to produce amazing products while at the same time providing employment and experience for people who need jobs. And what's exciting is that if you're a consumer, how many of you have bought a gift recently? Well, that's most of your listeners, I suspect. By purchasing a gift through HHP Lift, you are doing not only providing the recipient a wonderful product, but you're also contributing to an individual's well-being and economic self-sufficiency. And what I love, Lori, about the work that you're doing is uh, is really combining um, the two areas that I'm most passionate about, um, you know, around entrepreneurship as well as nonprofit um, impact and nonprofit mission, um, which is so critical. So. Uh, again, I'm chatting with Lori Alpern from Open Door Advisors. We we just talked about one of those examples, HHP Lift. Encourage all of our listeners, get on their website, place in order. Um, and on the website, you can also see a full list of, of clients and organizations that Lori and her team have, have worked with. And guaranteed, you will know of some of them. And I think you'll be fascinated to learn. Um, but Lori, in our couple of minutes that we have remaining, I would like to sort of zoom out for a moment and talk about the current situation that we're in, uh, the situation of COVID-19. And uh, you work with many interesting organizations. Um, what would you predict is the future of call it social enterprise in particular, but not-for-profits in general in moving beyond um, uh, coronavirus and the era that we're in of uh, social distancing? Well, nonprofits have consistently been there to support whatever our society's most urgent needs are as they emerge, whether homeless shelters, food pantries, social enterprises, they are not backing away from the challenges. In fact, they're really leaning in. And they're doing that not knowing how they are going to survive financially, but they are moving forward and changing their environments and adapting their workplaces to the current conditions. So while it is a struggle, they are 
deeply leaning in and the philanthropic sector in Chicago is also stepping up to provide the kind of support and flexibility needed. And, you know, we're looking forward to continuing to see that grow and develop over time. And I know, uh, Lori, you and your team have quite literally uh, helped to write the playbook uh, to, to assist not-for-profits, businesses uh, for entrepreneurs in reopening. And uh, I continue to be amazed. And you have a lot of resources that you share through your website. Um, and I would encourage all of our listeners to get in touch. But on that note, how can people find out more about Open Door Advisors and perhaps more importantly, many of your current and recent clients that you've worked with in the world of social impact and social enterprise? Well, we believe that we're all part of a community and we love hearing from individuals and connecting with them. So reach out, um, contact us through our website, on Twitter at Open Door Advisor, or send us an email to hello at opendooradvisorsinc.com. We'd love Perfect. to hear from Check out that website, opendooradvisorsinc.com. Uh, lots of great examples. Again, many of you likely know of some of those stories. Lori Alpern, thanks so much for joining me on the air. Appreciate your time. And uh, we'll be back to the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. Chicago, don't touch that dial. You're listening to Get Down to Business. Check out my website, shalomkline.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. You're listening to Get Down to Business. And I am thrilled to be joined by Sam Tanius um, from Human Elements. And really what I want to get into, Sam, is how small businesses can survive coronavirus by turning employees into their biggest assets. I know that's a thing you know a thing or two about. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure. So you consider small business owners heroes. Heroes is a term that's thrown around a lot. Why? Uh, why? And how can, uh, how can companies, small businesses in particular, treat their employees properly? So uh, the way that I view small businesses and why I think they're heroes is uh, if you look at all of our communities uh, uh, across Chicago, across the, across the, uh, the country, uh, a lot of the communities are based around the businesses that are there. So the, either the, you know, the local uh, coffee shop or uh, the barber shop, uh, you know, uh, that's what makes the community. And um, so to be a hero really is to take, uh, and, and, and I consider entrepreneurs to be heroes because they, they look at, at, at uh, opportunities in the marketplace, opportunities in their community, and then they take the risk to, uh, to create those, uh, the, you know, the, uh, to, to take advantage of those opportunities. So, uh, you know, they, they, do, they put their, their lives at risk in terms of their financial lives. They put their families at risk as they spend hours and hours building that, that, uh, that business and in, in, in turn also building that community. So that, that's really where I, where I think the heroism comes in. So Sam, you, uh, you are a business owner. You run Human Elements, a human capital management firm um, that was founded on the principle that employees are any company's greatest asset. And I know that you have been studying the world of COVID and the world of coronavirus. In, uh, and and you, have a, you have a belief that uh, there will be some tremendous opportunities for small businesses in the coming months um, as well as coming years. Tell us a little bit about... Um, about your uh, sort of your predictions uh, going forward, how companies can 
uh, make that happen. And of course, would love to learn more about your firm. Sure. Well, I, I think, you know, in, in this is just a, a, a common, I think, for, for a lot of entrepreneurs to understand is that, you know, uh, when, when you've got chaos like like we're experiencing, chaos always breeds uh, uh, opportunity. It's just looking for it. And I think that you know, if I, I were, if I were to give entrepreneurs one word of advice right now, or business owners one word of advice right now, it's to look for those opportunities, whether they're within their own organization or or outside of their organization. What are those gaps that are, are that are happening? And and one of my predictions has been in the uh, in in the face of all of this. Uh, you know, our manufacturing uh, 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 base here in the U.S. is is sorely lacking, and and it's been you know a big deal uh, you know that we can't get uh, protective or we couldn't get enough protective uh, uh, equipment in for our our healthcare workers or medications being manufactured overseas, and and I think that those kinds of uh, 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 lessons that we've learned throughout. Uh, all of this uh, are exposing areas of opportunity for us and, and uh, opportunities for, for entrepreneurs to be able to say, I think I can fill this, this, this gap. And uh, so I think that we're going to see some, some uh, uptick in, in manufacturing, maybe some niche manufacturing uh, or, or other unique manufacturing. And we're at a golden age for it because all of our old manufacturing methodologies have for the most part uh, gone by the wayside. They've, uh, you know, they're, they're, you know, their their ancient history, and now we can completely rewrite the the entire manufacturing process, or what manufacturing is all about here in the U.S. So I, I see that as being a major major area for uh, for expansion and, and and opportunity for entrepreneurs. But even if, for those business owners that just you know have a little shop, uh, you know there there's always opportunities within communities to fill fill gaps, and and uh, we have been. Uh, just given all kinds of gaps throughout this entire process. Absolutely. Uh, Sam, at Human Elements, it's interesting, one of your uh, guiding principles is we're all in it together. And that's a phrase that I think have been, has been used quite a bit in this era of COVID, but you've, uh, you've incorporated it long before this period. And, and I know that you are focused on guiding your clients and forging unique employee experiences, maximizing employee return on investment, which is so critical um, right now, uh, can you tell us a little bit about some of the clients that you've you've worked with? Some of the success stories in our uh, just about one minute remaining. Sure, sure. Uh, so, um, you know, we we have uh, you know one of the things that we always try to, to do with our clients is to find out where some of their uh, their gaps are and where and and issues that they have have run across, and uh, it it can happen even in the most. Uh, uh, mundane little ways, but uh, a particular client that we uh, started working with uh, was very proud of the way that they handled all of their employee documentation. The issue that they they had was they didn't have any I-9s, and I'm not going to mention any names, but you know, not having any I-9s is a $2,000 fine per I-9 uh, for a first-time offense, and uh, they had uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 40, 50 employees, so that number... You saved uh, them a lot of money, Sam. Yes, I did. So that that was that's that's my favorite success story because it translates so quickly into money. Uh, oh but- yeah, oh yeah. Well, well, surely our listeners want to learn more. Everybody wants to save money. Everybody wants to have more of a return on their investment. That's what uh, that's what you do at Human Elements. So tell us uh, tell us how we can reach you. Sure. So you can reach us at humanelements.us, and uh, you can uh, reach me directly uh, uh, at uh, sam t at humanelements.us. 
Sam T at humanelements.us. Sam, thank you so much for sharing those stories here on Get Down to Business. I'd love to have you back on uh, continue the conversation post-COVID. Uh, thanks again. Thanks so much, Shalom. Chicago, don't touch that doll. You're listening to the show all about small business, jobs, and entrepreneurship. We'll be right back. Back on the show all about small business, jobs, and entrepreneurship. I'm thrilled to be joined by Dr. Jim White, who is the chairman and CEO of Post Harvest Technologies and Growers Ice Company, along with many, many other titles and a lot of international recognition for uh, his incredible work across the business community throughout his career. He's bought, expanded, and sold 23 companies in 44 countries and has also acquired failing businesses to revive and develop them into profitable enterprises using his business turnaround strategy. Uh, He's written a new book, Opportunity Investing. Um, Jim, welcome to the program. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. It is so great to have you. So right now, the COVID-19 health crisis, it's impacting everyone. I wish we could talk about other things on the program. Um, And indeed, in this conversation, we'll talk not only about the current situation, but also talk about uh, the business community in general. Um, But right now, the stark reality facing the workforce in communities, people who live paycheck to paycheck is grim. So the question is, how do you bring that investment back? That's something you know a thing or two about. Jim, can you tell us a little bit about your experience? Because your bio is way too long for me to read. As I often share with people and ask that question, I said, when I don't get old, I just become more seasoned. So as at, 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 a, at the 71-year-old season, uh, I go in decades. So uh, my career started with Ingersoll Rand Company back in the 70s after I got out of the Army. I was an Army Ranger and did two tours of Vietnam and uh, uh, got out of the Army and uh, went to, well, actually surprised when I got accepted to Georgia Tech. So I have a civil engineering degree and then the move into the construction and mining group for Ingersoll Rand. And then went in an international group and uh, uh, for a country boy from the rural South Carolina, uh, figured out there's a good way to make money. And that was uh, uh, taking the most risky assignments and actually delivering on those risks and, and calculated risks. So I was in Saudi Arabia for three years. I became the Middle Eastern manager for Ingersoll Rand. Got promoted to vice president, and like I said, it's a long story, so I'll shorten it up. And uh, moved to Woodcliffe Lakes, New Jersey, and woke up one day, and I was absolutely miserable. And I had this beautiful office, uh, all the art that you could buy, and uh, and I was just I felt like a fish out of water. And so I went to the chairman of the board and said, "I'd like to entertain the idea of acquiring one of our divisions." As I can share with people, if you go to your employer and uh, make such a decoration and it fails, you better have your resume current and <laughs> go find another job. So 1980, uh, I started my first firm and I was in Washington, D.C. And that was to project financing, uh, working with World Bank, XM Bank and understanding how to uh, get project financing and uh through contacts and I developed at Ingersoll Rand, uh, picked up some contracts. The first one's in Lagos, Nigeria, uh, believe it or not, uh, doing a uh, infrastructure project. And uh, that one uh, went well. Then I went to the next one and I started, I sold my first company to a company called Blunt Construction Company in Montgomery, Alabama, and became CEO of Blunt World Trade and all the international trading activities. And uh, 
them down a contract and started buying the failing companies around the world. And as I said, I bought uh, 23. What was the magic sauce? And magic sauce was to, was uh, and simplified, was to people. Go in and find uh, those hidden waste. And uh, first and foremost, give people a reason for showing up to work every day other than just having a job. Uh, get, get them excited behind a vision, get them excited about a vision and uh, the, the mission. So we started buying and selling and uh, uh, sold the last one uh, to Borg Warner in 1991 and uh, started uh, doing consulting, speaking, uh, writing books and uh, doing all types of engagements. So well, you're sharing a lot of uh, a lot of interesting secrets um, and uh, secrets no longer because you've taken the lessons learned and you're you're sharing with others, which is impressive. So again, your new book. Opportunity Investing, How to Revitalize Urban and Rural Communities with Opportunity Funds, explores how qualified opportunity funds, QOFs, can effectively change the lives of millions of people in those zones across the nation. So you have become an expert in the little-known thing called Subchapter Z. Can you explain um, for us uh, lay people what uh, what that is? Yeah, Subchapter Z uh, is a... We'll carve out in December 2017 of the Jobs Act, and uh, basically uh, what it what it provides uh, provides for tax incentives from capital gains from investors, and the intent was to get this private capital. There's 6.7 trillion dollars at that time of unrealized capital gains in the market. So. The Treasury and the IRS, in conjunction with the state governor, started looking at the census tract and started identifying uh, these poverty areas, not only in urban but rural communities, and certified uh, mid-2018, certified 8,800 of these tracts. So the incentive is for an investor to uh, invest in a fund, and, and the fund then has a certain period of time to invest in these QOZs. And, uh, and, 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 and these QOZs are designed to uh, create jobs, bring manufacturing back, uh, uh, build infrastructure, uh, revitalize uh, buildings. And uh, it just goes on and on and on as to the opportunities are huge, especially in the current environment that we're in. And And Jim, I'm going to squeeze in a very quick uh, commercial break, but we're talking about 8,000 distressed areas around the country that are eligible for this subchapter Z of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. Lots of opportunities. We're going to get a little bit deeper into this and talk about the opportunity. Um, Again, the secrets that uh, Dr. Jim White, bestselling author, speaker, thought leader, and expert, the field of opportunity zones. Our conversation continues in just a moment. Back in my conversation with Dr. Jim White, again, a best-selling author of a new book, Opportunity Investing, How to Revitalize Urban and Rural Communities with Opportunity Funds. We were just demystifying subchapter Z of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, which uh, it talks about the opportunities uh, that are available in over 8,000, almost 9,000 distressed areas around the country that are struggling. Um, but that is especially relevant today in the, uh, in the era that we're in. Lots of folks struggling. Um, Jim, you have, uh, you've worked with many companies and you've, uh, you've maximized the opportunities that are available. Um, what, uh, what was the purpose of the Opportunity Zones initiatives 
and uh, what are areas that uh, that QOFs can invest in to make a difference in distressed communities? The the purpose was to help 35 million people, which currently reside in these 8,800 zones, to get out of the, the, the poverty, increase the, the medium uh, uh, poverty level. And QOF is referred to, a fund is designed with an incentive to invest in a community, and it could be uh, a pizza uh, a pizza shop. It could be a car dealership. It could be a piece of real estate that you're looking about. You could go into these zones and create a new business, uh, innovation centers, uh, and this goes on and on and on. And what makes it so attractive? The rules say if you have capital gains and you invest those capital gains prior to 1231, 2021, you can reduce your capital gains by 10%. And you don't have to pay taxes owed to the federal government until April 2027. And the magic sauce, you keep the investment in the fund for 10 years. All the appreciation from the fund is tax-free. So Jim, there's not like a, a true win-win when you're talking about the ability to obviously uh, those tax benefits, but also the ability you're talking about millions of people in these qualified opportunity zones. That's a lot of opportunity for impact. So surely our listeners want to understand a little bit more about how they can identify, um, you know, the areas. Um, how do you identify both the qualified opportunity funds, the QOFs, as well as how do you how do you identify those zones, the QOZs? across the nation. You can identify the QOZs by going to our website, phtopportunityfund.com. We have created a map. You can go to the resources section, type in your address, and you can determine if you are in a zone. That's step one. Step two, you got to decide what you want to do. You want to start a business, you want to redevelop your real estate, and then you can also, we have a resource section that where you can then identify a specific fund that would be interested in that asset class. A very, very interesting. And I know you share a lot of uh, information about your experiences, which uh, you are, you practice what you preach. You've actually uh, been involved in one of these opportunities out in California, I believe. So you share a lot more information. Uh, I, I'd like to ask Jim if you can share the website one more time, but also uh, tell us where uh, where we can find your book as well. You can find the book at authorjimwhite.com. You can learn more about the fund and the zones at phtopportunityfund.com. So we've got a lot of resources there, and that's one of the things that's missing is more information. And uh, thank you for spread that information to your wonderful listeners and viewers. Absolutely. You know, we, we love to profile uh, win-win opportunities. This would be a good opportunity uh, in any time, but in particular in a time like this, a pandemic when so many people are struggling. Quali- qualified opportunity zones, qualified opportunity funds. You've demystified it. Dr. Jim White, thanks so much for joining me on the air. My pleasure. Been my pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, we are the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. You can always download podcasts from the programs. Six plus years of shows on my website, ShalomKlein.com. Follow me on Twitter at ShalomKlein. To success, let's get down to business. We'll talk to you next Sunday right here on AM560, The Answer. The Answer.